0: welcome back to half the battle i'm your host as always daniel levy and today we're going to be talking about ufc las vegas peter yan versus marab DeWalish wheelie and it's going down this saturday night live at the theater at virgin hotels in las vegas nevada you know interestingly interestingly enough this was initially supposed to be jamal hill versus anthony smith but Jamal Hill ends up becoming the undisputed UFC light heavyweight champion. So they had to find a new main event. And uh, quite frankly, they found three main events to replace the Jamal Hill fight. We got, uh, is it Petr Yan or Piotr Yan? You know, it's funny. I've been watching this guy's whole career, been high on him this entire time. And I still don't know if it's Petter or Piotr. But either way, you all know who exactly who the hell I'm talking about. He's taking on Mirab DeWalish Wheelie co-main event we got alexander volkov versus alexander uh, romanov then (laughs) featured bout is nikita Krylov versus ryan span so as far as i'm concerned we got three main events on this stacked card i mean this is a hell of a fight night so without further ado let's get down to business so main event of the evening in the bantamweight division We got the former champ, Piotr Yann. He's 16-4, and representing Russia, taking on Mirab Wheelie, who's 15-4, and representing Georgia. No, not my Georgia. The Georgia next to Russia. And currently, they got it. Piotr Yann, minus 250. The comeback on Mirab Wheelie is plus 210. So I'm going to call him Petter. I'm going to call him Piotr. I'm going to call him Yann. I'm going to call him all these things. But bottom line, He's a minus 250 favorite over uh, Marab. Let me see where this shit opens. So it actually opened minus 175 for Petter. So, okay. So obviously all the action's been coming in on the former champ. And a lot of people can make the argument that Yan has never really lost a fight, right? You know, for example, his fight against Magomedov, um, the controversial split outside the UFC. A lot of people thought that, listen, man, it, you know, it came down to a foul. It was a bullshit split decision, this and that. Um, people think he won that fight. The first Aljo fight. I mean, you know, I talk about it all the time. When you knock someone out with a knee and they call him the winner. You, you understand what I'm saying? The Aljo rematch. Now, here's the issue with the Aljo rematch. The, the issue with the Aljo rematch is that I paid fucking, well, minus 350 minus 450 I paid something stupid for it. And he definitely didn't cover that price tag. But I still it comes down to how you score round one, right? Because two and three obviously go to Aljo, four and five obviously go to Petter. So how do you score round one, right? Now I was there in attendance and I thought that live Petter won the fight. Going back and re-watching it, you now I've rewatched it a few times and I go back and forth on it. But bottom line. It was such a competitive fight that it showed he's still right up there at the top of the division. And then the fight with O'Malley, that that one was kind of different. But the O'Malley fight, as far as I'm concerned, stylistically speaking, is irrelevant to this matchup. I mean, we know for a fact that uh, Mirab can't strike like Sean O'Malley. We know for a fact that Mirab isn't almost six feet tall in the bantamweight division like O'Malley. So... You know, what happened in the O'Malley fight is irrelevant, but what's not irrelevant is the mindset. And what I mean by that is this, you know, you heard Petter talking about how, now I, now, I don't want to misquote anybody. And I also don't know if certain things were lost in translation, you know, dude, dude, doesn't speak English, but after the, you know, after two back-to-back fights where he felt like he got robbed You know, he was talking about how, oh, I'm going to leave the UFC. I'm going to do all these things. So the only reason I bring that up, you know, I know talk is cheap. But the only reason I bring that up is because, like, are we still dealing with, you know, the highly motivated Piotr Jan that, you know, is ready to come out here and win a belt again? You know, from what I can tell, the guy, you know, his nickname is No Mercy for a reason. So as far as I'm concerned, he probably still is waking up at 6 a.m running in the mountains and doing everything. Actually, he's not running in the mountains. He's, he did this camp in Thailand. But I don't think he's a guy. He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy to skip his pad sessions or to skip his runs or whatever. But just the only reason I'm bringing it up is because, you know, oftentimes when champs lose their belts, you know, it's a very rare occasion for them to come back and win it again. And I'm not talking about a situation like John Jones where, you know, he never truly lost his belt. You know, he relinquished his belt. He got stripped of his belt, but he never lost his belt in a fight. Now, Piotr coming off those two straight losses, I'm not questioning the man's skills because I think the man's skills is right up there with anybody in the division. Excuse me, right up there with the very top of the division. Only thing I'm questioning is, you know, th- does does Piotr still want to be champ? You know, does Piotr still give a shit? Because if he still gives a shit, I mean, the guy is a fucking problem. The guy is a demon out there. And when you talk about his opponent, Mirab Duwalish Wheelie, I mean how long have i been like bringing up this narrative of the guys that can just attempt a million takedowns over and over and over and you might stuff all the takedowns but these guys don't get discouraged i mean you look at his fight most recently with jose aldo i bet marab in that spot and i mean he went 0 for 16 and takedowns wasn't discouraged one bit you see some other guys you know um i, I don't want to bring anybody down but like for example on contender series Y'all saw Cody Brundage uh, versus William Knight, right? Like, Cody Brundage gets the first takedown. William Knight gets back up, and that mentally broke uh, Cody Brundage. Whereas, like, a guy like Mirab you can stuff 100 takedowns, and he's going to keep trying. That's why they call him the machine. And I do want to give Mirab, you know, a little slack for the Aldo fight. Um, same way I'm going to give a couple other people on this card slack for certain things. Because that fight was an elevation. It was in Salt Lake City, Utah, and when you're pushing the kind of pace that I do like Mirab pushes in altitude, I mean, doesn't matter how good your cardio is. you're just you're going to slow down. That's just how it goes. So there's a lot to talk about with this fight, man. So if I'm getting the best version of both men, I mean, Piotr Jan, his volume, you know, a lot of people criticize his volume, but I think his volume is on point, man. I mean, you watch that fight with Corey Sanhagen, and when was the last time you saw a guy go out there and land, you know, 149 significant strikes uh, against someone of the caliber of Corey Sanhagen, who is known for being, like, the volume king uh, of the Bantamweight division, right? So, Piotr, the issue with Piotr, and against Aldo, he landed 100. He almost landed 200 significant strikes against Aldo. So, Piotr Orian's volume is actually underrated. People criticize it because he often takes round one off to get a read for his opponent to kind of see what he's doing. He kind of approaches every fight like a championship fight. And what I mean by that is exactly what I just said, which is, you know, that first round might not have the most output, but he's kind of feeling you out a bit. He's kind of trying to see, you know, what your movements are like. He's kind of throwing some feints out at you, seeing how you react seeing are you going to bite on certain things to where later on in the fight he can capitalize on them. He wants to see what angles you're going to shoot from. And Piotr um takedown defense is very, very on point. Um, 90% takedown defense, and it's been tested against some very high-level guys, including the champ, Aljamain Sterling, who he went 2-for-22 on takedowns the last time they fought. 2-for-22. It's just that the two times he did take him down he was able to secure the back of Piotr Yan, But to Yan's credit, man, I mean, usually when Aljo gets the back of someone, it's game, set, and match. Like, when he took the back of Cody Stamen, he ended up getting that fucking knee bar from the back. When he took the back of Corey Sanhagen, chokes him out right away, right? So what I'm trying to say is that, like, when Aljo backpacks these guys, that's usually the end of the fight. When when, when Aljo took the back of TJ Dillashaw, he pounded him out, injury or not, he, he pounded out a D1 wrestler, right? So Piotr, he wasn't able to escape the back atti- the the the, uh, the back takes, but he was able to survive, right? He was able to minimize the damage and not get finished there. So the next couple rounds, obviously every single round starts on the feet and then he's able to do his thing there. So it's one of those things where I don't think Morav has the best takedowns in the world. I don't think Murab does the best anything in the world except his pace. He's got insane heart, his toughness. He's willing to just push forward through any adversity. So to beat a guy like Murab, you must finish a guy like Murab. And the last time that Murab got finished was actually against Ricky Simone. Now, a lot of people, in my opinion, have a very – I don't want to be disrespectful, but almost have like an ignorant perspective of what truly happened in that Ricky Simone fight. They like to blame it on, on the ref. They like to blame it on the athletic commission. They like to not take responsibility. But the reality of what happened was if you go back and you watch round three of that, um, that Marab or Ricky Simone fight. And you really truly pay attention to what happened. So Mirab shoots for a takedown against Ricky Simone in round three. And he actually goes head first into the mat and he knocks himself out on the takedown attempt. Kind of funny because this is the same dude that like jumped head first into like um into some like ice, thinking that he was gonna it was gonna you know he was gonna go into the water, but it was actually ice, and the dude just jumped head first into some ice, so it was like, bro, what are you doing?" So he jumps head first he dives head first for a takedown and he actually knocks himself out on that takedown attempt from there. Ricky Simone was able to sweep him effortlessly. And with that mounted guillotine, I mean, he put Mirab to sleep, dude. Like, uh, as soon as the, the fight was over, Mirab couldn't get back up, man. Um, Marab was out. And, you know, a lot of people disagree with me, and I'm not trying to be the one that's like, oh, well, I'm a purple belt in jujitsu, jitsu therefore I know more than you. But as someone who loves the guillotine – as someone who loves jujitsu as someone who trains every single day i saw an unconscious man there uh so you know to sit here and say that he was robbed of a victory against ricky simone uh, no he was choked unconscious against ricky simone so he can be finished uh just had to say that but here uh, against piotor yan if you're giving me a piotor that's motivated that wants to be champ again I mean, I do think that Piotr is going to come out here and once he he finds his range, makes his reads, he's going to get off on some shots against Murad, man. I mean, you saw that Marlon Morais fight where Marlon Morais dropped Murad. He was teeing off on him. He was, you know, dropping him all over the place, doing everything he wanted to him. It's just, we know that Marlon Morais lacks in the cardio department. We know that Marlon Morais lacks in the chin department. And we know um, Marlon Marais lacks in the heart department. These are three departments that Piotr uh, Yan does not lack in. So, basically, what I'm trying to say is that if similar situations occur in this fight, there is a good chance that Pyotr Yan can seal the deal and finish the fight. But my issue with Piotr is that sometimes he'll take rounds off, which, again, I said to ma- you know to make his reads to. To see what you're doing out there this guy murab ain't taking no rounds off there is no feeling out process when you're fighting a guy like murab Wheelie. he's going to get right in your face from the second the bell rings to the second the fight is over and he's going to make pyotr yan fight now the thing with Piotr is he's never ran away from a fight in his life so he's going to meet murab right in the middle and it's going to be like two bulls uh locking horns now i think i think piotr yan is the far superior fighter here it just comes down to you know those outside the cage intangibles like you know when these champs lose their belts they don't often come back as motivated and i mean lose their belts like actually losing in a fight not john jones who never truly lost right i'm talking about actually losing their belt and then lost his subsequent fight too right um And that bitterness of feeling that you got robbed in both those fights, right? Um, That resentment, you know, it's not a very positive attitude. And to take it a step further, I can understand why a plus 210 price tag would be tempting for many on a fighter of the caliber of Marab. You know, against almost anybody else, I'd be like, holy shit, I'm all over this. But the respect I have for Petter and how high I think his skills are that's why I kind of I kind of don't want any action on this fight. I kind of just want to sit back and watch and see exactly where Petter is. And and this is the fa- this is the fight that is gonna let me know like, can Mirab be a champion or not? Right. I know Mirab has the work rate. I know Mirab, you know, the work ethic. I know he's got the motivation. I know he's got the drive. I know he's got the heart. Does he have the skills though? You know, because sometimes You know, sometimes it's not about the skill of the man. Sometimes it's about the will of the man. It's just that Piotr, as far as I know, he definitely has the skill. And I think, as of right now, he still has the will, too. So I think Piotr should have enough to, you know, neutralize the attacks of Marab. It's just the thing is, like, if Marab is still there, man, like, Marab, like, does not give a shit. Like, you can drop this guy. He's still going to get back up, pin you up against the fence. Try to chain takedowns, get those entries going. And even if you can't take him down, it doesn't discourage him. He keeps trying and trying and trying. But don't sleep on the grappling of Jan either, man, to survive those back takes from Aljo and some of the you know, the foot sweeps that he brings to the table. Even the first Aljo fight, he took down Aljo seven times in that fight, man. So don't sleep on the grappling of uh, Piotr. And again, I don't put any stock in the O'Malley fight in terms of the skills because Mirab can't strike like like O'Malley. Mirab's not six feet tall like O'Malley. Like, the only thing I'd put stock into is just be wondering if Piotr still wants this like he once did. And if he does, I think he's good enough to beat Mirab. So I'm going to go with Piotr Yan here, but I'm not going to bet this fight. And I'm going to sit back and just watch and see exactly where they're at. Like, does, does Piotr have you know, one more, you know, title run in him? Like, does he still want to get to the top? And because if there's any kind of doubt whatsoever, if there's any kind of, you know, I'm not feeling it that much, Barab is not the kind of guy you want to fight with an attitude like that. But if Piotr, you know, he put the past behind him, we put the past in the past, fuck the past, let's just focus on the present and get back to what got us to being a two-time world champion. As far as i'm concerned a one-time world champion because i never really thought he i i I don't think he lost to Alger the first time i mean like i said when you knock someone out with a knee and they call him the winner yeah and i know someone you know that can't read between the lines is going to be like oh it was an illegal knee it's like yeah but we saw we saw how that we saw which way that fight was going now we we know who won that first fight come on guys but it's just the disappointment of these last two fights where he feels like he won and And he got robbed, like, that, that you know, like, for example, Dominic Reyes, right? Like, I'm not comparing Yan to Reyes. All I'm trying to say is this. I just want to give an example. When Reyes was convinced that he beat John Jones, he never let it go. And then his next fights, his next three fights, he gets knocked the fuck out just because, like, he wasn't able to move on. You know, like, for example, when Robbie Lawler got knocked out by Nick Diaz back in the day, like, five years later like people were still asking him about that and he was like i moved on you should too right and then they end up rematching and robbie wins the rematch right and the, the point i'm trying to make is i wish i could tap into the mindset of pio torian and just know like hey ha- have you moved on mentally from the disappointment of you know feeling like you got robbed those last two fights and, and if he has and if he's all there mentally the skills are there to beat Mirab. so I'm gonna go with Piotr Yan to, to come out here and win this fight. No bet. I want to sit back and and see how this one plays out because this is a fight that's gonna let us know exactly how far both these guys are gonna go um, in in the bantamweight division. So yeah, I'll go with the former champ. It's funny because uh, big uh, big shout out to both of them, man. Like they uh, they both beat the shit out of John Dodson for me. I bet them both there, and it's like Brab only got. Credited with two takedowns, which I thought was the biggest joke I've ever heard because I thought he took him down like ten times, man. But some of those they didn't count as takedowns because because Dotson was able to pop back up. But uh, I thought he landed a lot more than two takedowns against John Dotson. Just a little a little side note there. But anyways, co-main event of the evening in the heavyweight division, we got Alexander Volkov. He's thirty-five and ten, representing Russia, taking on Alexander Romanov, who's sixteen and one. Representing uh, Moldova. Sorry, guys, I'm tired as fuck. Just had like an intense ass jujitsu class, so got my water, my pedialyte light. Still out of breath, but uh, I appreciate y'all. But currently, they got it. You know, best fight odds is doing it again where their shit's all over the place. Currently, they got it, Alexander Romanov. Minus 150, the comeback on Alexander Volkov is plus 125. Now, I understand why people are tempted to take Volkov here because Romanov let them down against Taibura. Romanov has shown that, you know, the the management um uh of his, you know, his pacing, his gas tank management isn't exactly the best. And I understand that. But back to what I was talking about with uh Marab fighting Aldo in Salt Lake City, uh Romanov also fought Tybura and salt lake city in that altitude. So on one hand, you can bring that up as a factor of why he gassed. But on the other hand, you can also be like, well, Dan, I mean, he also gassed against Espino really badly too. Facts. But let me also say that Espino is a hundred times the wrestler that Alexander Volkov is Alexander Volkov can't wrestle. Like that's just, I mean, let's just get that out the way, man. So. You know, has Alexander Volkov learned how to wrestle, you know, bet- between now and his Aspinall fight where I bet Aspinall had dog money? I don't think so, but it's not really about that. I think it's more of a thing where it's like, Romanov is definitely going to take down Volkov in that first round. And he may even submit him too, right? It's just when the second round, you know, comes through, it, it, is it going to be a situation? Because in that last fight with Taibura, you know, I understand the Salt Lake City altitude and all that that's definitely a cause for concern in terms of why he gasped but like dude was playing around was doing dumb shit was dancing in the fight well you know it's like he like checked out mentally or something but was trying to cover it up by dancing and doing all this dumb shit but here it's like is it going to be a situation where first round is dominant and then second round he gets the takedown but Volkov's able to pop back up because on the feet You know Volkov's a very long guy. Volkov can get off on some volume. And Volkov is a guy that you show Volkov any kind of weakness whatsoever, and he's going to come after you, man. And Volkov's a very tough guy. I mean, he got taken down, what, 13 times against Curtis Blades. That means that he got back up 13 times against Curtis Blades. So it's admirable. And as the fight progressed, he won the later rounds. The only thing, the only difference here is that this is not a five-round fight. This is a three-round fight. So there's a chance he's down two rounds going into the third and maybe 10 eights and maybe he finishes him in the third, but I'm not writing off the possibility of Romanov just coming out here and, and submitting Volkov in the first round. Cause Vol- Volkov's weakness has always been his wrestling. I mean, he's extremely tall. He's six foot seven and those tall guys, especially in the center of the cage, like they're not the best at stuffing takedowns against the cage that's where you can kind of get that wide base and make it a little bit tougher for you to clasp your hands together but romanov is known for these suplexes and it um aesthetically it's very pleasing to watch but gas tank wise i mean that kind of shit is going to drain you man so basically i'm not sure if you know, Romanov is going to be able to come out here or Romanov is going to be able to come out here and, you know, get this first round submission, which is live in play, or if it's kind of be a dominant first round then then second rounds, you know, up in the air and then third round Volkov wins or possibly get to finish. So that's where it's kind of, you know, kind of sketch, but the, the wrestling skills of Romanov are far superior to Volkov. So, I mean, I'm going to go with Alexander Romanov just because I think the wrestling advantage is that big. It's just, you, you know, you guys know what I'm worried about. I'm worried about after round one, I'm worried about this guy's cardio. I'm worried about, you know, his style of takedowns is very explosive and that shit will tax you, especially when you're a big boy. So, um, someone brought up a good point in the chat about the word doom fight, but there was a fourth round in the word doom fight. There's no fourth round here. Look, if this is a fight to the death, if this is a five round fight, if this is a no time limits fight, you know, as long as Volkov doesn't get submitted early, I think he could take over late. But here, he might get down to a 0 2 start and it might just be too little too late in that third round. So for that reason, I'm going to go with uh, Alexander Romanov to come out here and either submit or grind out Alexander Volkov. Now, featured bout in technically the heavyweight division, but it's a 215-pound catch weight bout between Nikita krilov who's 29 and 9, taking on Ryan Spann, who's 21 and 7. And currently they got a Nikita krilov 165, the comeback on Ryan Spann's plus 140. So I already broke this fight down, you know, like two weeks ago when they originally was supposed to fight. Only difference was that. You know that was a five round fight that was a main event um another difference being that you know these guys do have to cut weight twice now not as much weight you know they get you know a 10 pound allowance here uh 205 to to what was it 215 yeah to 215 so you know 10 extra pounds but these are still big boys they're still going to be cutting a little bit of weight And then i guess my other question would be you know did nikita you know fly back overseas and then come back to the states or has he been in the states the entire time and the reason why that's kind of an important detail to me is because like you already had to fight off the jet lag the first time now you're gonna do it again and cut weight so i just don't know if someone knows like has nikita stayed in the states this entire time or did he fly back and then fly back overseas and then come back here for this so i don't know bottom line these guys are two very very potent finishers um like i told y'all last time i broke down this fight you know nikita krilov 29 wins 27 of them are finishes ryan Spann, 21 wins 18 of them are finishes so it, it's i don't want to say it's safe to say that someone's going to get finished here let me see what the fight doesn't go the distance is <laughs> fight doesn't go to decision is uh you know minus 500 uh, it was actually more when they were originally supposed to fight, but then again, it was a five-round fight the original time. Um, so my thing with Span, I think he's super talented. I think he's super athletic. Um, it's just always kind of been like a, a mental thing with him, and this whole, oh, this is the first time I truly started training for a fight. Guys, talk is cheap, and if you're gullible enough to believe that, then you probably also believe that Max Holloway did a champ camp over a Zoom call, you know, the second Volkanovski fight. Like, Guys, talk is cheap. Kind of like Cyril Gaon saying that he only trains when he has a fight coming up. Um, yeah, I know. I know it. It appeared that way when he fought John Jones, um, but that's more so because you know they don't know how to grapple uh, over there in France. That wasn't because this guy doesn't train. I mean, look at the shape he's in. He definitely trains. So with Span, you guys know about his nasty guillotine. You guys know about his fast hands, his one-punch knockout power. The issue I've had with Span is that. You guys know he's been knocked out three times the exact same way, like literally the exact same way. So all his knockout losses are he's shooting um, a takedown on someone and and they Travis Brown elbow him uh, on the ear on the temple and they knock him out. And this happened on his regional scene. This happened on contender series against Carl Roberson. And this happening as Johnny Walker as well. So he's literally been knocked out three times the exact same way, which is pretty unheard of. And I remember in that Johnny Walker fight, when he got into that position, the position he loves to get knocked out in, I remember Coach Safe, he immediately recognized it and he's like, get out of there, get out of there, because he knew what was about to happen. So if Ryan wants to shoot a sloppy takedown on Nikita, get ready for Nikita, Travis Elbow, uh, to Travis Brown elbow this man unconscious. But on the flip side of things, Nikita has been submitted multiple times, and if he shoots for some kind of sloppy takedown on Span, don't discount the possibility of a Span you know, guillotine here, man, like, like real talk. So on the feet, either of them could get knocked out. I think the early going kind of goes to Span a little bit. Nikita is a little bit wild- you know, early on and, you know, with his Kyokushin background, I really love how he flows his punches to his kicks. You know, he does a lot of, he does this thing called the windmill, which it's a lot of same side shots. You know, he'll, he'll throw the the right hand to disguise the right kick. He'll throw the left hand to disguise the left kick. Um, so it's some very beautiful stuff. I think the longer the fight goes, it favors Nikita Kurlov, but early on either guys live for a finish and, but my pick will be Nikita Krilov. And if you guys want more a more in-depth breakdown on that fight, um, these two were supposed to fight two weeks ago, and I posted like a fucking 20-minute breakdown on it, so y'all can check that out. But um, I'll go Nikita for the win. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between uh, Ricardo Ramos. He's 16-4, taking on Austin Lingo, who's 9-1. Currently, they got it. Ricardo Ramos minus three fifty. The comeback on Austin Lingo plus two sixty. You know, I think it's about right. Um, listen, Ricardo Ramos is a special talent. It's just Ricardo Ramos. I mean, you guys gotta understand, he's just a kid. I know he's a young vet at this point. You know, he's had twenty pro fights, but he was born in nineteen ninety five. He's just a kid, right? <laughs> and um, he's one of these guys that I've said for a long time. When he finally gets it together, look the fuck out. Cause I mean some of these performances that he has, like, he really, really impresses. Um, whether it's his ability to take the back, whether it's some of his spinning back elbow or spinning back fist knockouts, whether it's landing eight takedowns on Bill Algio. Like he's had these glimpses where it's been like, yo, like if this kid can, you know, if the mental can catch up with the physical Ramos could potentially be a future top 15 guy one day. And with lingo, you know, trains out of Fortis MMA. I've always been a fan of lingo because he's just an exciting banger. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like, kind of like a man of Martinez where like in his regional scene was just like one punch knocking everybody out. And we're still kind of waiting for that one punch knockout to happen in the UFC just needs to start feeling a bit more comfortable inside the UFC's octagon but he can crack it's just he is a little bit too basic for Ricardo Ramos you know Ricardo is definitely gonna be the more just unique unorthodox, more athletic more gifted guy but if but sometimes Ramos you know will do a little bit too much will fatigue you know sometimes if things don't go his way he might check out a little bit mentally. And if that's the case here, maybe Austin can take over late or maybe Austin can land a bomb. But besides that, man, I do think that the mental is starting to catch up with the physical um, with Ricardo, man. And Ricardo should style on him. here. Not necessarily sure it's going to be a finish, but I think that, you know, I understand understand the odds here. So, yeah, I'm going to go Ricardo Ramos uh, to win this fight. Now this one I'm I'm really pumped for. In the Band and Division, we got a matchup between Saeed Nurmagomedov. He's 17 and 2, taking on Jonathan Martinez, who is 17 and 4. Currently they got it. Said Nurmagomedov, minus 255. The comeback on Jonathan Martinez is plus 215. So I've heard a lot of misconceptions about this fight. You know, normally I don't really listen to anybody because not that anybody can truly influence how i feel um but you know i was just i was just curious you know i i'm on twitter sometimes and i read some things and uh people are saying that saeed's going to have this massive grappling advantage in this fight and this and that and i think that that's almost like a stereotypical thing to say that just because his name is nurmagomedov therefore the guy's going to come out here and just put on some grappling clinic but let, let me ask y'all something so saeed Medov's had seven ufc fights how many takedowns has saeed Medov landed in seven ufc fights the correct answer is two takedowns in seven ufc fights reason being it's not because this guy's not a good grappler he is a good grappler i mean look at that fucking disgusting guillotine he hit on Said Yakub. Look at that disgusting guillotine. He hit on Cody Stamen. It's not because he's a bad grappler, or it's because it's because this guy has a different style than the other Medovs. Said is an explosive striker. Said's style is a lot of spins, a lot of flash. You shoot a sloppy takedown on him because you can't take what he brings to the table standing. That's when he can snatch up whether it's a high elbow guillotine whether it's a power guillotine, you know, kind of those long man guillotines. So it's more of a, you know, a counter attack to the grappling. You know, when he gets those submissions, um so, you know, people saying, "Oh, he's got such a big grappling edge in this fight." Like, uh guys, Saeed doesn't doesn't wrestle. Saeed's a striker. Uh just, like don't let the last name fool you. And the thing is, his opponent Jonathan Martinez is also a striker so these two are going to come out here and, and they're going to bang it out and i think the differences in their styles are this i think that saeed nirmago is the more explosive guy i think he's the more flashy guy um but i think that jonathan martinez kind of is the more consistent guy and has the better volume um, but then the negatives i think that saeed um his gas tank isn't as good as Jonathan's. You know, Jonathan training in, in Denver Elevation. Uh, we've seen Saeed slow down in multiple fights. And with Jonathan, his cardio is on point, but his chin, um, you know, he's not the chinniest, but he has been knocked down and he has been knocked out in multiple fights. Whether it was knocked down twice against Andre Sukumtut. Now, that was a long-ass time ago. I think it was like 21 when that fight happened, but still. um. Knocked down uh, or knocked down and knocked out against Davy Grant and knocked down against Alejandro Perez. So that's the downfall with Martinez is that, you know, he he is susceptible to, to that knockout punch, to being dropped. Chin isn't the best. But with Saeed, what he's susceptible to is a serious pace. This guy will slow down as fights progress and his output is not the highest. He, he He's more of a guy that, you know, it's flash and explosion, not much, you know, picking people apart. Whereas Jonathan Martinez is that guy that's going to slowly chip away at you. Right. Because I mean, if you want to think about it, the most strikes that Saeed's ever landed in a fight was actually back in 2018 in his UFC debut against, uh, Justin Scoggins, which was down at flyaway. But since then, um, the most strikes he's ever landed in a fight was in his loss to Hione, which was 55 strikes. Whereas you're looking at a guy like Martinez, you know, who has gone out there and landed 92 strikes in the fight before. He's gone out there, 74, 88, you know, has put up numbers. So, So, basically what I'm trying to say is, like, if neither guy is getting finished, I actually do think that Jonathan Martinez can be up on the volume and can pull away, you know, like that. You know, just put up better numbers. Chop him down with kicks. Um, Jonathan Martinez has a nasty check knee. I mean, he's got he's got a couple of knockouts in the UFC with that check knee um, against Ping Wan Lu, against Frankie Signs, against Cub Swanson. He dropped him with that knee. His check knee is absolutely disgusting. And with Said, it's all about the spins. And like I said, you if he rocks you and you shoot a sloppy shot. On a guy like saeed he will snatch up that long man guillotine so I, I see it being a close fight and i think that the reason the price is where it currently is is because of this man's last name uh because people think that he's he's you know a dominant wrestler but that's not how Said fights Said is a flashy explosive striker so at plus 215 on jonathan martinez i'd probably be willing to take a one unit shot you know, against Jonathan Martinez against almost any striker in that division. Cause I just do think his striking is that good. I do think he's paid his dues and I do think he's starting to feel a lot more comfortable inside the octagon uh, to where now he is going to be able to compete, you know, against the guys in the top 15. So big respect for both guys. I think they're phenomenal. I think Saeed is live for a finish. Of course, Uh, you know, he is that dangerous, but I think as the fight progresses, that's where I think Jonathan Martinez if he's still there, right? That's the big if. If he's still there, that's where I think he can kind of chip away. And that's where I think Saeed's going to kind of slow down a bit. And that's where I think Jonathan Martinez can actually run away with this decision. So at, at plus 215 odds on Jonathan Martinez against another striker, um, I feel inclined to to at least take a one-unit shot and, and see what happens. And that's not any disrespect to Saeed. I like him a lot, too. It's just uh, stylistically speaking. I like my chances on jonathan martinez at these odds against another striker so you guys got to stop this bullshit narrative about saeed being you know this stud wrestler just because his last name's namago medov because that's categorically false um and it is what it is uh so yeah i, I just see the I, I just personally line it a lot closer so for that reason i have to take the plus 215 on martinez for uh, to, uh, risk one unit now next up in the light heavyweight division and y'all do me a huge favor man smash that like button for me and if you're not already subscribed please subscribe and i appreciate it now next up in the light heavyweight division we've got a matchup between vitor petrino he's seven and zero, taking on anton the pleasure man terkali he's eight and one and currently they got it a dead pick Vitor Petrino, minus 110. Anton, the Pleasure King, Turcal, minus 110. Um, Yeah, so basically the way I see this fight is like Vitor Petrino kind of reminds me of like, you know, kind of like a green Paulo Costa. You know what I'm saying? Like the guy, you know, he's built like Paulo Costa. He swings bombs like Paulo Costa. He's going to go right after you like Paulo Costa. Um, And he'll also gas out like Paulo Costa. So I kind of just see this being, you know, him having that kind of style. I think physically speaking, he he's far superior to to Anton and on the feet. It might actually be a mismatch. The thing is this Anton, even though he's kind of a walking punching bag, even though he's kind of. He's kind of goofy, which I'm gonna call someone else goofy in this next fight. This dude Lukash Breski. But Anton, he's kind of goofy, but like he is tough as fuck. He is extremely tough. I gotta give him credit, man. Like he might he, he might it might not look the prettiest, it might look awkward, it might be like he might not be very athletic, but like the dude can take a punch, the dude can overcome adversity. And like if Vitor can't get him out of there and Vitor starts to huff and puff and anton gets on top of him you know anton is a very long guy he's six foot four he's got you know he's got good ground and pound he's good at taking the back so those are the things i'm worried about right but on the feet man vitor is going to light up uh the the pleasure man i'm telling you right now vitor is going to light this man up big punches big kicks his initial takedown defense is good and I've seen him get back up to his feet, and I've seen him defend missions. So as far, as far as I can tell, you know that part of his game is improving. It's just with his style, with his muscles, you know. Vitor uh is a gasser, just just to put it lightly. Vitor is a gasser, but Vitor is a very dangerous gasser. He's a bruiser. He, like I said, j- just think about a green Paulo Costa. That, that that's kind of what I'm thinking about here. A 205 Paulo Costa making his debut. Um, someone said it's Victor, not Vitor. No, buddy, it's Vitor actually. But and he, he's Brazilian too. His name's Vitor. Um, but yeah, Vitor. Uh, he's just explosive. Like I said, hits hard. Built like a Greek god. He's gonna land some devastating shots. I think he's gonna land. I think he's gonna get a lot of knockouts in the UFC. And on the feet, he is going to he's gonna put it on Anton. My concern, like I said, Anton has a very good chin. Anton is mentally tough. And if Anton um can survive this early storm and get on top of Vitor, that's where I'm concerned. But that but basically what I'm saying is it would kind of have to be like a comeback for uh for anton to win this fight which is possible i mean you can get a, a comeback on a gasser but i think that vitor petrino um can come out here and also possibly knock out uh anton so it's a pick'em fight. fights 50 50 so I, i'm gonna go with vitor because because i slightly lean you know i slightly line vitor more towards minus 150 you know i you know 60 i think he wins six out of ten times right but there are the the you know there are those concerns about him gassing out and Anton taking over late. So you just can't discount that possibility. But the athleticism and physicality difference is huge. The striking difference is huge. Um, but then on the other side, the gas tank difference is huge too. So I see why they lined up to pick him, but my pick is going to be Vitor to, to kind of rough up uh, Anton and and possibly knock knock out the pleasure man. So. I'll go Vitor Petrino. Now, next up in the heavyweight division, we got a matchup between, is it heavyweight or light heavyweight? Because I know Carl Williams' last fight was at heavyweight, but um, I thought that Dana said, I'm going to give you a chance to get a full camp and come back at your normal weight class and all this. But either way, topology says heavyweight. But, so Lucas Breschke, he's 8-2, taking on Carl Williams, who's 7-1. and one. What's this flag they got on my boy? Oh, Virgin Islands? That's what's up. Yeah, because I know Carl Williams is from here in Atlanta. Um, Currently, they got it. Carl Williams, minus 235. The comeback on Lucas Breschke is plus 200. So, y'all want to know something funny? Y'all know how, like, I hype up my fighters from my scene. My ATL fighters, my my Robert Hales, my Jared Goodens, my Cody Durdens. And shout out to Jared Gooden back in the UFC making his return for this card. You love to see it. Dude's been working his ass off. But Carl Williams was a guy who, you know, I called his amateur fights in the NFC back when I was doing commentary for them. And I'm going to be 100% frank with y'all. I pride myself on my ability to scout talent and to, you know, see like, and, and to just like predict like how far Certain fighters are going to go, kind of like you already know how I predicted a long time ago that Jamal Hill was going to be champ. I predicted Blah Muhammad was going to make it to the top five, Cheeto Vera too, all these guys. So I pride myself on my ability to scout talent. I told you all a long time ago, Cody Durden and Jared Gooden were both going to make it to the UFC from you know from my regional scene. I'm telling you, Robert Hale will make it to the UFC from my regional scene. Carl Williams, though, when I watched, when I called his. Amateur fights, cage side. the The thought of him ever making it to the UFC, that wasn't even that wasn't even a thought that crossed my mind. Like I never, I I was never like, oh yeah, this guy's gonna be in the UFC one day. Like, no, I I never. I just thought he was just some random amateur fighter. Okay, whatever. These fights are boring. Next, like, it never crossed my mind. So when I saw my contenders. I was like, "Damn, what's Carl been up to, man?" And then I looked, and Carl's been putting in work, and Carl is massively improved from his amateur days, man. And you know, to turn things around like that, um, <laughs> Big Bird, calm down, bro. To to turn things around like that, um, you know, and there's some other guys. Y'all got to keep your eyes out for. I'm gonna name them right now: uh, Amun Cosme. And Malcolm Wellmaker, though those are two uh, bantamweight prospects from Atlanta that are hundred percent. I think unless they just get injured or something, they're gonna make it to the UFC. I can just tell y'all, oh, they're super talents. But Carl, I was never like, I just thought he was just okay, whatever. I, I didn't even think he was gonna go pro. <laughs> so the fact that this guy, you know, has come this far and has turned things around like that, and I say turn things around, it's not like he was out here losing fights. I just thought he was just some average, unspectacular fighter. And, dude, like, what I see now is the wrestling, uh, the pace that he pushes, his toughness. And and the guy that he out-grappled on contender series on short notice had some wrestling credentials, man. And, like, far better wrestling credentials than Carl did. And and Carl put it on him, man. And, yeah, shout-out to Carl, man, because, like, you love to see, like, someone just, like, you know, level up to that point where now they're in the big show and now he's a minus 250 favorite in the big show. So shout out to you, Carl, man. I was wrong about you this entire time. Like I never picked against you, Carl. I just never thought you were going to make it. Like, the thought of you making it to the UFC never crossed my mind. So the fact that you did, bro, way to represent Atlanta. Much love. And his opponent, Lucas Breschke, <sighs> look, he's kind of goofy, <laughs> but he's a tough kid, man. He's got good output. Um, that, that's basically what I can say about him. He's a tough kid. And you know, what's funny is that a lot of people thought that, you know, Lucas Breschke got robbed his last fight uh, against Martin, uh, Boudet. But what's interesting is the fight right before that on the card was Nina Nunes versus Cynthia Calvillo. And I literally fell asleep during the Nina Nunes versus uh, Cynthia Calvillo fight. And then I woke up right after the martin Boudet and lucas breschke fight so i just saw everyone on twitter talking about how it was this massive robbery so a lot of people think that lucas breschke got the short end of the stick on his ufc debut i was asleep thanks to cynthia calvillo and nina Nunes. but uh yeah i mean listen if carl can't get takedowns uh lucas has better volume on the feet if carl gasses out you know lucas can probably put it on him it's just that I do think Carl's going to get those takedowns. I do think Carl's going to grind them out, and I don't think Carl's going to be gassing out. And now with a full camp, I, I think we're going to see a big step in the right direction um, from ATL's own. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Carl Williams here. Uh, pro- probably a unanimous decision, man. You know, uh, just get the wrestling going like you always do, and you know what to do, my man. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Carl Williams to get this one done. And next up, we got another ATL boy. Next up in the Bantamweight Division, we got an ATL legend, uh Rafael Asunsao. He's 27 and 9, taking on dangerous Davey Grant, who was 12 and 6. Currently, they got it. <laughs> my boy Nick Diller said homie is in the back, knocked out on the couch. Yeah. That's my boy. Uh that's my boy Oscar right there. You know what I'm saying? He wanted to join me on the pod, man. He's he's out for the count. You know, he was pulling a stunt earlier, man. He was trying to, uh, so I have like a little Lake behind my house. And the thing with German Shepherds is like, so with some dogs, if you just open your front door, they'll just take off running. German Shepherds aren't like that. They have loyalty, right? They they're not going anywhere unless you're going anywhere, but I take my dog to my backyard and I throw the stick. And sometimes he likes to challenge me and he likes to run down to the Lake, but he doesn't just run full sprint. He likes to run, and then he likes to check to see if I'm following him because he only wants to go if I'm going. Like the, the intelligence of the German Shepherd is just is just something else. I'm just obsessed with those dogs. But anyways, currently they got it. Davy Grant minus one forty. The comeback on Rafael Asun is plus one fifteen. Let me just tell you all this right now. If this fight was a couple of years ago or whatever not only would uh Rafael be a, like a much bigger favorite but like it would be like a max bet on Rafael at plus 115 odds uh, uh, against Davy Grant cuz basically it's like uh Rafael is a former top 5 guy. I mean Rafael even got the title shot against Dominic Cruz but he had I think he had to pull out due to injury which sucks cuz now he's never going to get a title shot but they tried to give it to him he just couldn't take it cuz of the injury but uh rafael like he's got like wins over like the entire top 15 at one point he did has a win over the champion alderman sterling has a win over the former champion tj dillashaw has a win over marlon Moraes who at the time was the fucking man um has a win over rob font who at the time was the man like so over, has a win over pedro munoz like rafael like in his time man he he beat the entire top 15 at one point so Rafael is a guy that someone said, I can't believe you're from Atlanta. I would have guessed New York, New Jersey. Does, do I have a New York and New Jersey accent or, or something? But I guess I'll take it as a compliment, but no, nah, I'm, I'm a Southern boy. But uh, Rafael Asun, but I'm first-generation American. Like My parents aren't American, so that's probably you know why it's a little confusing. But yeah, so anyways, what I was saying was, Rafael Asuncao, these odds against Davy Grant a couple of years ago would have been like a ten-unit play. Like there, there was no world at one point where Rafael Alcunsal would be an underdog to Davy Grant in in any situation whatsoever. But Davy Grant, you know, it seems like he almost got like a second wind on his career a little bit. You know, in some of these last few fights, because you know he's a he's just a solid journeyman. You know that that's kind of what I think from Grant, man. You know what I mean? Like. uh, he's one of these guys where you know after you know those two finished losses in a row to stasiak and Bermudez, you know he took over a year off then he comes back gets that three fight win streak and you know knocks out jonathan martinez now i do have to say in the back-to-back knockout wins over Mar- uh, martin day and jonathan martinez he also got dropped in both those fights but he was subsequently able to get comeback knockouts which was cool then he had the war with marlon vera where you know he showed a lot of heart but if you saw his face i mean marlon beat the shit out of him and funn- funnily enough back in the day davy actually beat marlon back uh what was the year in 2016 so and then he had that good fight with adrian yanez i'm not sure how it was a split but you know like, like look if you're gonna stand in the pocket with davy grant he throws these, these haymakers from these very awkward angles and also has a nasty calf kick game. And, like, if you want to stand in the pocket with a guy like Davey Grant, then there is a chance he can catch you. Like, like they call him Dangerous Davey for a reason. So, in the pocket, that's where I'd be worried for uh, Rafael Asunzao. The thing is, Rafael Asunzao doesn't fight in the pocket with people. Rafael Sal is an expert counterfighter. Like, it might not be the most exciting style but he's very intelligent and he's very good at slowing the pace down of these fights and getting you to fight his fight. And he's been doing that for years. Now I know that now, you know, Rafael is 40 years old and, you know, he's going to turn 41 this year. And, you know, he's fallen on some hard times, lost to Cody Garbrandt, which is a big, big red flag. But, um, You know, that Victor Henry fight was a step in the right direction. We'll talk about Victor Henry in a sec, but Victor Henry, his fight prior against uh, Jaune Barcelos, like, broke records with the numbers he was throwing, man. And, you know, against uh, Rafael, like, the numbers went down significantly. Like, basically, let's put it this way. In the Victor Henry versus uh, Rafael Assunzal fight, Victor Henry landed as much in the entire fight of the Rafael Assuncao fight as he did in the in like the individual rounds of uh, the Hayoni Barcelos fight so that's credit to Rafael's ability to get people to fight at his own pace and he's so good at counter fighting so like yeah Big Bird made, made a very good example Assuncao is a top tier volume suppressor that's a very good way to put it Um, so it's one of those things where it's like, if Raphael wants to fight uncharacteristic and bang in the pocket with Davey, well, then Davey's live to knock him out. But if Raphael can slow this down, switch his stance, strictly be on the counter, you know, fake the entries to the take, you know, faint the takedowns, go up top. I think he's a much more educated fighter than Davey Grant. I think he's beat a way higher level of competition than Davey Grant. I mean, he's beat the fucking current. He beat the entire top 15 at one point, including the current champ. Um, it's just the things you gotta be concerned about is that Rafael's 40 years old, right? But it's not like Davy Grant is some spring chicken guys. Like, isn't Davy Grant up there too? Like Davy Grant is uh 37 years old. Davy Grant turns 38 this year, so Davy Grant is not some young prospect or anything like that. So it this this fight comes down to approach, but historically speaking, Rafael Asun Sao beats Davy Grant. Um and if this fight was a year or two ago, these odds would not only be flipped, but Rafael would be like a minus two something favorite. So I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Rafael to get this one done, man. You know, you do have to worry about those just like the haymakers that Davey, like I said, they, he throws them from such weird angles that like, and, and they're clubbing shots, man, that. Rafa's, Rafa's got to be on top of shit, man, because Davey's dangerous. That's his nickname, but I think Rafael's the more well-rounded fighter. I think he's fought and beat the higher level of competition. Um, just worried about the current form. That's why I can't have too much conviction for uh, uh, in it, but I'm going to take the better fighter here. I'm going to take Asunca, uh via decision. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got a matchup between Cedricuez Dumas. See, I thought it was Dumas, but when I heard his contender series interview, he said dumas so I think the S might be silent. Correct me if I'm wrong, but anyway, said Dumas. Duma, he's 7 and 0 taking on Josh Fremd who is 9 and 4. Currently, they got it uh said Duma minus 210, the comeback on Josh Fremd is plus 180. So this uh seems to be a fight where a lot of people have a lot of strong opinions. And I've heard some absolutely absurd takes regarding this fight. Let me tell you about them. So, I heard people comparing Cedriquez Duma to Jamal Hill. Which, let's take a moment of silence for that absolute absurdity of a comparison. Like i'm the guy that discovered jamal hill i'm the guy that said jamal hill is going to be a future world champion like in what world does cedriquez Duma fight anything like jamal hill jamal hill is a southpaw Sedriquez dumas is orthodox jamal hill has like record-breaking output with his hands like the output of little guys better output than little guys cedriquez Dumas isn't really a guy that lets his hands go that much. He's more of a kicker. He's a very dangerous kicker. The thing about Cedriquez Dumas, he's got a nasty calf kick game. And Cedriquez, like, man, the way he can chop down the chop down your calf and then go upstairs with head kicks, his kicking game is on point. And that might be a big weapon for him here because Josh Fremd, you know, another tall, you know, six foot four guy skinny ass legs doesn't uh you know doesn't check leg kicks i'm worried about the calf kicks from sedriquez duma and one thing i got to give duma a lot of credit for is that in his last in his only loss as an amateur his only loss that i know of because in his pro debut the commentator said that the duma was devastated was knocked out in devastating fashion as an amateur but I don't have any evidence of that. If any of y'all know anything about that, let me know. But I think that might be false. The only loss I saw as an amateur in 2020 was when he got out-wrestled by that one guy. But since then, he's actually implemented a lot of wrestling in his game. And it's a lot of upper body takedowns, kind of like a Greco-Roman style. And he's been able to you know, take these guys down, dominate them on the mat. And his cardio seems pretty good as well. So... I actually do think that uh, Duma, you know, got signed to the UFC at the right time, and you know, I'm not touting him like other people. Like to compare him to Jamal Hill is absurd, because <laughs> I was thinking Jamal was, was is like a once in a lifetime guy. Like y'all can see that he's the fucking champ now. So um, I just think you know, just a solid prospect, whatever. Like, but Josh Frem, man, I've been watching Josh Frem's. Uh, regional scene i i saw him on the regional scene for a long time and i was waiting for him to get that ufc call man i mean just like cedric dumas was knocking dudes out with head kicks was chopping dudes down with calf kicks like ground and pound like josh friend was out here sleeping people as well on his regional scene and he was fighting way better guys like he was in there with like robocop on his regional scene he was in there with a uh, bruno Oliveira, knocked him out like so josh frem was in there with some real guys and to make your ufc debut on short notice against um anthony fluffy like fluffy is about to go far in this division man and i thought that josh frem performed admirably in that fight and then the next fight against trey sean you know who's another atl guy you know i actually bet on josh frem in that fight and i liked how things were going you know he doubled him up on strikes just like uh just like i thought he was going to then he shot for you know An ill-advised takedown and got caught with a very, very rare guillotine. That I don't think we've ever seen a guillotine like that before. And I see all these people talking about well, Josh just lost by guillotine and Cedriquez just won by guillotine. There, therefore, the writing's on the wall. Therefore, it's a foregone conclusion that Cedrique's Duma is just gonna come out here and guillotine Josh Frem. Like, hey, just just put your whole bankroll on it. Like that's a That's what's going to happen here. And I just think it's like, guys, like, shut your fucking mouth. Like, please, like, listen, there's certain things that you can learn from in the gym and correct from mistakes, such as, you know, head placement on a takedown. Like that guillotine you got caught with, like, that's something you go back to the gym and you fix, Yeah, you know, your head placement on your takedown so it doesn't happen again. It's not like we're talking about things like getting dropped by jabs. That those are things where it's like you don't, you don't, you don't fix your chin, you know, and stuff like that. So basically, I, I see this being the best guy that Cedric Duma has ever fought. And does that mean that by default Duma is going to lose this fight? No. I think that Josh Frem, you know, has holes of his own as well. It's just that in a fight like this which is you know kind of two prospects kind of two green prospects that are figuring things out i don't see cedric Duma, you know being minus 210 being minus 220. now i could be wrong like i told you all earlier i uh pride myself on my ability to scout talent and i just kind of thought cedric duma was you know just yeah whatever just another just you know let's see what he does i i'm not out here you know, claiming anything, but I already see people stamping their flag saying future top 15, future top 10, future this, future that. Dude, show me, you know, show me. So this is a show me spot. And I think Frem is uh, being a little disrespected here. So for that reason, I'm, I'm considering that one unit shot at plus 180 here. Uh, my biggest concern is this, um, the calf kicks. Josh Frem, six foot four, you know, it's cool being tall like that, but you know, it comes at a price and the price is those skinny fucking legs and Duma has a very heavy kicking game. So I am worried about uh, Josh Frem, you know, getting immobilized with those calf kicks. But I think Josh Frem has better hands than Cedric was Duma. And then on the ground, Cedric has gotten a lot better with that body lock game, taking people down. But, you know, Josh Frem is a, a former D3 wrestler and, you know, survived all the bad spots uh, with Anthony Fluffy, even got top position of his own, so my inkling is that if he does get taken down, I think he can scramble up, uh, back up to his feet, where I do think he has better hands than Cedric Duma. So to compare Duma to, uh, to Jamal Hill, like, can you just tell me one fight where Cedric Duma's hands or output or volume represented anything remotely close to Jamal Hill? you can't cuz it doesn't i mean i watched the guy's entire career like he's a heavy kicker and he's got a body lock game um and he had a nice power guillotine on, on on Contender series too but this whole well josh just got caught with a guillotine and duma just won via guillotine therefore that's what's going to like i don't think it works like that and i'm ready to be proven wrong if if duma comes out here and guillotine's friend y'all can clip this and Make me look like an idiot or whatever, but the bottom line is that when it comes to betting, it's all about the number, and I'm just I, I just didn't get to minus two twenty uh Duma. You know, the opening line was minus one fifty Duma. Okay, that 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 I can accept, right? You know, maybe he's the more physical, maybe he's a little bit more athletic, maybe you think he's a little more talented. You know, you know, I, I can get behind the minus one fifty Duma, but minus 220 I, I think is slightly disrespectful and again that fight with Frem and, and Treshawn you know people are too caught up on the end result rather than what was happening in that fight prior to the result and, not, and in addition to that what kinds of adjustments Frem can make because you know not leaving your head on the outside on a takedown is something you can easily fix in the gym like I said, it's not like he's out here getting rocked by jab. That's you can't fix a chin, but you can fix your positioning on, on takedown entries. You don't even have to shoot takedowns, you know. So, bottom line is, I'm not saying Frem's gonna win this fight, but I'm saying at plus one eighty, I'm interested in taking that one unit shot and and, and you know show me if if, if Dumas is, if Dumas is this guy, show me, and I'm willing to 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 learn if he is. But as of right now. I just see this being two green prospects, this being a prospect showdown, and I see it being closer than minus 220 and plus 180. So for that reason, I got to go with Josh Fremd here at at plus 180. You know, not, I'm not sitting, I'm not saying max best season. I'm not going out on my shield. I'm not, you know, being arrogant. I'm not disrespecting either side. And I also don't give a fuck about Cedric Wiz Dumas outside the cage shit that has zero impact. Um, and I actually kind of felt bad that I shared that thing I saw on Facebook about him charging hundred for the interview. Cause when I heard him talk about it, it actually made sense. Cause the guy that was coming at him was a total dumbass. So, uh, dumbass doomass, but, uh, no, nah, but, uh, yeah. Um, so I actually kind of felt bad about that because I don't, I'm not the kind of guy to build myself up by putting people down. So, um, that, that post, like, if y'all know which one I'm, I'm referring to, like blew up more than I expected it to. I felt bad about that, but uh, that being said, put all that bullshit aside. I like the number on Frem. so I'm really I'm willing to take a one unit shot at plus one eighty uh, to see, uh, you know, if he can get his first UFC win. So let's see. Um. Now, next up in the bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Mario Bautista. He's eleven and two, taking on Argentina's Guido Canetti, who is ten and six. Y'all, smash that like button, please. Currently, they got it. Mario Bautista minus 1100. The comeback on Guido Canetti is plus 650. So, you know, I hear everyone talking about how, you know, it's it's this foregone it's this foregone conclusion. What you doing, Oscar? It's this foregone conclusion that Mario is going to finish him in the first round, and I think that there's a very good chance that Mario does finish him in the first round. It's just that like. Y'all know Mario didn't finish uh, Jay Perrin in the first round, right? <laughs> that And that, that's a bum, 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 bum. Y'all know that Mario uh, lost to Trevin Jones. The only reason I'm talking these terms is not to disrespect Mario because I think Mario's great. I cashed on Mario against Benito that last fight. I love Mario. I bet on Mario against Trevin Jones. It, it's just more so to point out that when we're talking minus 1,100, like I, I, I need assurances, man. And I don't have many but what i do have is that guido kennedy he comes out hard that first round he comes out hard every time in the first round but he tends to slow down as fights progress so i think guido is first round or bust in this in this fight um Guido's dangerous early and you know those last two fights like it was pretty cool to see guido come out here and you know get two first round finishes you know at such an advanced age of 43 years old god damn bro like, respect, my boy, respect, you know? Um, It's crazy that he's in better form now at 43 than he was in, uh, you know, when he was... Well, I wanted to say 23, but the thing is, he hasn't been in the UFC 20 years. He came into the UFC a little bit later, but I'm just trying to say that it's... I didn't expect this. Look, Guido Canetti on a two-fight win streak in his 40s with two first-round finishes was not on my bingo card, so credit to him, man. But bottom line, I think Mario Bautista... You know he could get a first round finish but i think he you know might kind of feel him out a bit the first round but guido loves to slow down as fights progress and that's where mario bautista you slow down against a guy like bautista and he is gonna put it on you in a way where you know whether it's on the feet with the volume whether it's taking you down his submission game is on point he's well-rounded he's nasty uh i like everything about mario bautista so yeah, he's gonna win this fight. He's in a minus eleven hundred favorite. It's just we're trying to fi- uh, figure out like, is it the first round? Is it you know, does he kind of let Guido, you know, empty out his tank and then you and then you get him out of there in the second or the third? So, yeah, or is it gonna be like when you had harmless Jay Perrin in front of him and you just beat his ass for three rounds, you know, you didn't you didn't get dude, if Mario wanted to, he could have got Jay Perrin out of there in the first round. He just beat the shit out of him for three rounds. So I don't know. The method, but I I think I know the winner. You got to go with the minus 1,100 uh, favorite in the spot in terms of just picking, in terms of a pure pick. So Mario Bautista is my pick. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between J.J. Aldrich. She's 11 and 5, taking on the, the queen of fraudulence. Now, I saw some other people ripping off that nickname, but again, a lot of these have to battle terms, whether it's Vet Lesson, whether it's Tour of the Octagon, whether it's... Stand and bang until one man falls. Queen of fraudulence. These terms were invented here, so don't let anyone fool you. But, anyways, we got JJ Aldrich, who's 11 and 5, taking on Arianne, the queen of fraudulence. Lipsky, who's 14 and 8. Currently, they got it. JJ Aldrich minus 450. God damn, the comeback on Lipski is plus 350 shit that's fucking wide um listen I, I i don't think either is the toughest but i think that jj is look i like jj's style in terms of from the southpaw stance she's very good with her parrying game um i wanted to say she was defensively sound i mean she does defend at 60 percent, but she also absorbs more than she lands so that's not good, but I do like her parrying game. She kind of plays it safe, you know, mixes in the occasional takedown, this and that. Um, and then the thing with Lipsky is, you know, when she was fighting in KSW, she was knocking out all these grandmas and these soccer moms. So a lot of us had this false impression that she was this power puncher, but she comes into the UFC and, um, I mean... She did knock down Mandy Bohm and Isabella de Padua, but anytime she fought anyone remotely real, I mean, she got destroyed. She got finished by Antonina Shevchenko, who even she's suspect, got finished by Montana, who's suspect, got knocked out by Priscilla Cachoeira, who's suspect. I was in attendance when Molly McCann gave uh, Ariane Lipsky a tour of the octagon, so... Yeah, i'm not gonna play jj aldrich at minus 450 or minus 400 just because i don't trust her either but i trust Lipsky less and i've always thought that Lip, you know queen of fraudulence it's too bad she's a nice girl and i like her and this and that but like you know I, I i don't like her training situation and i just don't think she's got the heart for this i think it's kind of a front-running situation so jj by decision I guess. (laughs) Next up in the bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Tony Gravley's twenty-three and eight taking on Victor Henry, who's twenty-two and six. And currently, they got it. Victor Henry minus one forty. The comeback on Tony Gravley is plus one twenty. Very, very interesting fight. All right, so I want to talk to y'all about something. Y'all want to talk about numbers? Y'all already know where I'm going with this. Let's talk about numbers, bro. That fucking fight between Victor Henry and Hyoni Barcelos, like, did did he set a record? Uh, at a at bantamweight for most significant strikes landed by chance? Anybody know, or does TJ Dillashaw hold that record? Because like, this dude Victor Henry attempted. Total strikes, 397, and landed 222. And, and, and when you take it round by round, first round, Victor Henry landed 54, significant. Second round, 58. Third round, 69. And it's like, the funny thing about that is, so y'all saw how I just said in, in round one of the Hyoni fight, he landed 54. That's all he landed the entire fight against asunsal which goes to show you, uh, which is credit to Sal's ability to, the slow fights down to his pace now here with gravely it's interesting because gravely is the kind of guy that like he's actually very very solid everywhere he can bang he can wrestle he's just kind of a guy that has mental lapses in fights whether it was the brett johns fight where i actually did bet brett johns whether it was in the nate maness fight um, i felt like he had mental lapses in those fights and sometimes he'll be dominating fights and get caught up in chokes or whatever and even in like the simone Oliveira fight like man that those, those early guillotines man i thought that that shit was a wrap so tony's a short stocky solid guy good everywhere just s- suffers from the occasional mental lapse and with victor henry um the volume is insane and i will give him credit because against asun Sao, he was trying to get off on that same volume but Asun Sao is so good at limiting exchanges and uh, was so good at timing takedowns. And Tony Gravelly, I mean uh Victor Henry kind of has a bit of that catch wrestling style. I think he trains with Josh Barnett, so he is very awkward. So some of these scrambling, some of these uh scrambles might be very interesting between him and Tony Gravelly. And I can understand why people take the shot, uh, would take the shot on Gravely here. I just don't really trust Gravelly that much, but at the same time, I'm not in a rush delay chalk on on Victor because even though he is a vet and, and you know he's been around the game a long time I mean we're talking about a guy with 28 pro fights he is a finished product I still think that as far as in the UFC he's still getting his feet wet um but I do think that on the feet the volume is going to be there for Victor I think the body kicks are going to be there for a um I'm just not sure how these wrestling exchanges are going to go I think that Tony can land takedowns but I think that there are some uh, submission threats from, from Victor as well. So, yeah, I'm not too sure. I'm going to lean Victor Henry. And next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Tyson Nam. He's 21 and 12, taking on Bruno Bulldog Silva, who's 12 and 5. Currently, they got it. Um, Bruno Bulldog minus 210. The comeback on Tyson Nam is plus 179. So this is one where i was actually very surprised about the line um and and the reason being is this is that like so tyson nam what you got to understand about tyson nam is that he usually is ko or bust right like if he's not knocking you out he's usually not going to win the decision um you know the guy uh his output is on the very low is, is on the lower side like you'll it's kind of like you'll be screaming at your tv trevin jones style you know waiting for that waiting for him to finally let his hands go the thing is when tyson nam does let his hands go he is one of the most dangerous knockout artists in flyweight history and not just in the ufc guys i mean outside the ufc i don't know if y'all remember but man he's had some massive upset knockouts back when eduardo dantas you know this was in 2012 back when eduardo dantas was the uh the bellator champ and he was like a he was like a big deal bellator champ you know he took this fight with tyson nam in Chuto, brazil thinking it was going to be like a a tune up or you know showcase fight in front of his fans in brazil and like nam upset him bad knocked him out dead in a minute 40 uh when nam went to russia to fight russians in russia I mean, he went in there against Ali Bagautinov, and he was losing the majority of the fight, and with one second left, knocks him out brutally with a head kick. Ali Bagautinov is a former UFC title contender. He fought DJ once for the belt. Um, So Tyson Nam's power is live for all three rounds, and it extends deep into the fight. The only issue I have with Tyson Nam is that when he does not get that knockout, he usually loses, and also you know he he fought matt schnell it was a split decision but like matt schnell is known for being one of the guys with the more suspect chins and and nam didn't knock him out so i was kind of like man come on bro like i know i know he can knock out matt schnell but uh, that's neither here nor there what i'm trying to say is that tyson nam is a serious ko threat and with bruno bulldog You know how can you not love bruno bulldog man he's exciting as hell takes tough fights and i feel like one thing that's really progressed about bruno bulldog well listen he's always kind of like he's had a heavy right hand uh very very good calf kicks black belt and jujitsu but once he started training with uh with henry cejudo and the fight ready guys and he also as far as i know someone correct me if i'm wrong he does his strength and conditioning program with the neuroforce one guys And, you know, they're the kind of guys that they know the intricate details of things that I wouldn't even know the half of. Um, The difference in his physique, his last two fights, the difference in, like, kind of the fast twitch and the explosiveness. Now, granted, it was big step downs in competition, but still, like, it looked like physically, like, he was really maturing a lot and was out here just running through these last two guys how, how he should. But he's actually coming off, you know, a two-year layoff. I, I don't know the details why. But my my issue with with Bruno Bulldog is that with that explosiveness, you know, with that kind of fast twitch, he is a guy that does slow down as fights progress. And, you know, slowing down against a guy like Tyson Nam, especially in in, in this fight specifically, where Bruno Bulldog likes the bang. And Bruno Bulldog is going to be the significantly smaller man here. You know, five foot seven versus five foot four, sixty-eight 68 inch reach for 65 inch reach. Um, I, I think that Tyson Nam is very alive for a knockout here. And at plus what? Plus 179 odds. I mean, what am I missing here? I, I guess I've addressed the fact that Tyson Nam's output is on the lower side. And if he doesn't get a knockout, chances are he loses a decision. I can accept that. I mean, that's just facts. But let's not like act. Let's not sit here and act like Bruno Bulldog is some output machine because he's, he's not. And then as far as the wrestling, wrestling's never been a weakness of Tyson Nam. Tyson Nam, in fact, does have in the UFC 100% takedown defense, albeit you know low sample size. But Tyson Nam, you know, when he loses fights, it's more so that you're just getting out of volume, just kind of waiting for that one big punch, and it never comes, and, you know, we'll complain about, oh, I just ran out of time, you know? It's like one of those guys, right? But, like, I don't know, man. I, I just kind of lined this a lot closer. Um, maybe even a pick-em with a slight lean on Nam. Uh, so I do think that first round that, you know, Bruno Bulldog is going to come out here and, Uh, have some good moments, but I think he slows down. And someone said 39-year-old flyweight. And and that's factual. I I can't debate that. But Tyson Nam, he doesn't look like your average guy that's about to turn 40. And there's really been no signs of him kind of slowing down. And also that when you saw that knockout he just had against O'Day and you saw the little celebration dance he did, that was was like athletic. That was like explosive. That's like not something that a 40-year-old would usually do. So, I think he's one of those rare exceptions um, where Tyson Nam, you know, he's kind of like a fine wine. He gets better with time. Uh, so, I'm not worried about Tyson Nam's age. I'm not worried about any of that. What I'm worried about is Tyson Nam's super low output. That's what I'm worried about. But Bruno's not an output king himself. Um, Bruno's. This is going to be Bruno's first cut to 125 pounds in two years. I think Bruno might gas after the first round, and from there, I think that Tyson might be able to land the shot that puts him out. And Bruno has been knocked out before, so no, Tyson has too, but Bruno more recently. Um, so, yeah, I love me some Bruno Bulldog, but you know, at a price like this, I think it's a dog or pass situation. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Tyson Nam here. Now, last but not least, let's see. Last but not least, I did not expect this until this morning. <laughs> we got Carlston Harris in the welterweight division. We got Carlston Harris. He's seventeen and five, welcoming uh, my friend Jared Nitrain Gooden, who's twenty two and eight, back to the UFC. Things you love to see, Jared Gooden back in the UFC. Pretty awesome. Um, currently, they got it, Carlston Harris. Uh, minus 260 the comeback on jared gooden is plus 220 so you know i guess people are concerned about the short notice and this and that but i i can tell you that jared's been in the gym jared jared stays in the year in, in, in the gym year round um always takes short notice fights uh so him you know having some massive you know like what what do they call it like just like an adrenaline dump or gassing out bad or this or that i don't see it happening um but there are other concerns i have and also i think that there's a chance jared i don't wanna i hope i'm wrong about this but there's probably a chance jared misses weight for this you know you took the fight on on tuesday and you have to make 170 by friday like so i would not I, like i would kind of wish he took a catch weight or made it a middle weight, but whatever it is what it is so don't be surprised if Jared misses weight here, but you know, hopefully that he got a four-fight contract and he'll be good to go after this. But to break down this matchup, man. Um, so what what has Jared been up to since he left the UFC? So since he left the UFC, he's gone four and one. Uh, he beat the guy that Cedricquez Duma beat, uh, the Aaron Higbaugh. He beat him the same way, beat him by decision. Um, he's actually the first man in MMA history to knock out Curtis Melender. Like, so we were telling him going into that fight, like, bro, like, Curtis Melender can't wrestle. Curtis Melender can't grapple. Like, just go, go here and take him down. And, you know, Jared, with his ego, was like, I'm going to knock this guy out. And Jared didn't shoot a single takedown on Curtis Melender. And Jared knocked out Curtis Melender, which was really badass. Um, I think his ego got ahead of him in that Impa-Kasangane fight. And, you know, he was t- he went kind of resorted back to his old ways where – he was taunting, he was fighting with his hands down, he was acting like an idiot and Impa made him pay for that. But Jared bounced back 3 months later against Doug Usher um and y'all got to watch that fight uh with Doug Usher, man. I actually it's actually on my YouTube channel. So y'all hit the subscribe button, y'all hit the like button. Y'all can go, after this is over, y'all can go watch Jared Gooden versus Doug Usher, not granted. That was at middleweight. This fight now is going to be at 70s. Um and it was just a barn burner. NFC called it fight of the year. So that was pretty cool. Um and then a few months later he he dropped back to 70. he fought uh Demarquez Jackson, who's you know a respected Bellator and LFA vet and man he knocked him out and then he stomped him in the body and it, it was dope and, and you know when you get a highlight like that, you're going to get the call back and when you're consistently in the gym you know ready for short notice fights, that's why they called Jared. so I think Jared's going to be ready and Jared's the kind of guy that shows up on fight night win lose or draw he's going to come to fight jared doesn't lay eggs like jared might win or lose but jared's not going to lay an egg jared's going to fight hard so the thing here with this guy carlston harris um he's got power in both hands he's got a nasty anaconda choke a nasty darce choke um he's kind of long and he's got stabbing front kicks he's african as well y'all know how i feel about my african fighters like you, you got to respect them man i mean it's uh yeah, so I I just think that this is going to be an honest fight. I, I'd say that the weakness on both sides is that, you know, Carlston Harris is a bit on the chinny side. He's been knocked out more than once. And Jared's also been knocked out more than once. But historically speaking, Jared's, like, ultra durable. Like, y'all saw that front kick to the face that uh, Jared ate against Randy Brown and didn't even bat an eye, right? Like, so Jared's, like, kind of, like, comically durable. Um But Carlston can crack. You got to give him credit. Uh, The only thing is, like, does Carlston really shoot for takedowns? It's usually dudes shooting on Carlston, and and from there, you know, he's able to lock, you know, snatch up that dart, snatch up that Anaconda. Jared rarely shoots either. So I kind of see them standing and banging it out. And uh, he said, bro, bro, I don't think he's African. Hold on. Oh, you're right, he's not African. I, I I fucked this up last time too. He's from Guyana, um, which is hold on a second. I, I apologize for saying that he's African when he's not. Um South America. Hey. Apologies on that guys. So yeah, he's from Guyana, so he's a uh, South American. So that actually makes me feel a little bit better, but <laughs> no, but, uh, look, I think they're going to bang it. I, I literally think that, um, uh, that Jared Gooden and Carlson Harris are going to stand and bang until one man falls. Um, Carlson's had the full camp, but Jared stays in the gym year round. So yeah, I, I I'm gonna go, you guys. I mean, I'm biased, you know, you, you. I'm just honest i'm biased jared's been to my house before i've been to jared's house before i've trained with jared multiple times jared is a friend i can call jared on the phone right now so i'm not going to pick against my brother you know what i'm saying I love that guy wouldn't lose or draw he's always been a good friend of mine he's always had my back but take all that stuff aside stylistically speaking i think these two are going to stand and bang <laughs> joe said
1: Motherfucker hits
0: like he's African, though. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, and that flag, like I thought, yeah, no, that's my bad. Um, so, yeah. Um, hopefully, Jared comes out here and uh, knocks him out and gets back on track. So, yeah, you know, I'm going to pick my boy Jerry Gooden in this one. All right. So, I'm going to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. And then uh, I'm down to answer any fan questions after that. So. The fight to watch, fuck. I mean, the last three fights are the fucking fights to watch. Y'all know that shit, man. Actually, you know what? Should we should we go as Duma versus Josh Frem? Just because of all the talk going on on Twitter, and you know, people saying that Cedricquez is the next Jamal Hill, which is just absolute absurdity. That's in that's that's in, that's just so categorically false. Like, 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 where's the comparison? Like, like, what? What do they do similar? Like, I, I just, I don't know. But either way, but what I do know is that Cedric Dumas, like Cedricue Dumas and Josh Frem, there's most likely going to be a finish. If not, it's going to be a war. Like, these guys are going to be desperate for a UFC win, especially Frem. And I know that Dumas is violent. So, yeah. Dumas versus Frem is the fight to watch. Fighter to watch? I'm going to go Piotr man. I mean, coming off two very, very disappointing losses where, you know, he thought he won. He was talking about, man, I don't want to fight in the UFC anymore. And now you got a guy, you know, in Mirab who is relentless, who's got heart, who's going to come out here and attempt 100 takedowns and he's going to push the pace. And, and and if you're not quite feeling it anymore, Mirab's the wrong guy for that. But if Piotr is in top form, this is a perfect spot to get back on track and show people like hey i'm still a contender for this belt like i want to be a three time world champion so for that reason piotr yan is my fighter to watch all right y'all drop drop me a like um hit the subscribe button also when this is over leave me a comment and then feel free to share it all that stuff retweet it all that stuff helps me out tremendously and it's so greatly appreciated now, I'm going to scroll up all the way to the top of the chat. I'm going to read what y'all have been saying, and this is your last call to, to leave me questions here. So let's see what y'all got. My boy Tiger Bomb says, only here to steal Dan's material like Vet Lesson. I appreciate you, my boy. Um, Infowar says, here to get winning parlay picks like Blanchfield a couple weeks ago. Cash Nate Legger. Muchas gracias. De nada, amigo. Postman pick says, what up? What up, Postman? <laughs> Brandon Blunt said, "Area Lipsky fight week." Yep, yep, yep. Um, Doughboy said, "Do you think sometimes, like this past event, we as fans overthink betting greatness? Like when Jones being minus one seventy, or when GSB came back at minus one thirty? You know, yeah, that is good points. I guess just sometimes the layoffs um, can mess with people. You know, thinking about like, man, is he going to look the same A- and stuff like that." Um. Dominic said, units on units last week. Let's roll. Congrats. I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you cashed out. Amish said, finally made it live at work, so I took a break. Hell, yeah. I appreciate that, my boy. Dominic said, smash the like more times than gone stuff's taken. <laughs> stuff's a takedown. Yes, please do. Liam says, Dan talking fights while I clean out my office. Perfect timing. Liam, I appreciate you, bro. You know, always good vibes, man. So thank you, bro. Um... Dominic said, how will Yan misinterpret the rules this time? I know, man. He loves fouling, doesn't he? You just got to get Herb Dean as his rev so you can nut pun a guy twice, stick your finger all the way in his eye, only get one point taken away, and when your co- opponent's badly comprom- compromised, beat the shit out of him then. You are like, you know what I'm saying, bro? Uh, Creep said, one of the best MMA shows on YouTube. One of them. No, I'm just kidding. Thank you, bro. Uh, Ghost Gardener said, pretty sure it is the best. Thank you. Thank you. Um, let's see what else let's see let's see let's see let's see dominic said marab got chin problems dude was basically ko by marlon i wouldn't say it's a chin problem man marlon marais hits hard as fuck and if you get cracked right on the button that's what's going to happen like i don't think ian gary is chinny i think that ian gary took a clean shot on the chin by a hard hitter so anybody can be dropped man um but that being said he eats one of those against piotr yan and uh Peter's not gonna fumble the bag like Marlon Moraes did. I think. Hopefully don't don't land an illegal knee again, my boy. You know? Um let's see. What else what else y'all got for me? Taylor says, crazy to think Yan's entire career trajectory was altered by an illegal knee. Yeah, crazy, right? Um io said gone should really take up habib's offer and go to dagestan and train hard and learn how to wrestle Listen, i don't know if he can learn how to wrestle but maybe he can learn how to anti-wrestle you know or get back up from bottom so that's uh that's one thing uh let's see what else y'all got Ayo said, this might be a hot take, but I'm 100% confident uh, Jayotin Almeida will destroy Jones and completely embarrass him on the ground. Almeida will be champs soon enough. That is a hot take uh, because has anyone ever dominated Jones on the ground? But yeah, Jailton uh, Mah- Mahaldino is, is a bad motherfucker. So you know what I'm saying? Um, I'd love to see it. Uh, let's see what else y'all got. Let's see what else y'all got. Postman said he's intrigued to see if Marab can keep his pace for five rounds. I feel like he can if he avoids getting battered too much. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair to say. Um Okay, my boy SD Crusader is agreeing with me. He rewatched the end sequence multiple times, the one, the round three of Mirab and uh Ricky Simone, where Marab knocks himself out on the takedown attempt and then gets swept and gets choked unconscious exactly you know what you're watching my boy you know like hey you got eyes for the game so i appreciate you um info war says yan is a superior boxer for sure but his shelling up style will allow Marab to clinch at will fair but uh will you know but from there what happens you know yan's got good trips yan can disengage you know knees let's see elbows Valerie says, Mystic Dan, you predicted Valentina's fall on point. I appreciate that, man. I um, I, said, I, In fairness, I said it'd be one of these next three fights. I wasn't sure which one it was going to be, but I did say Valentina would lose her belt in one of these next three fights. And that uh, was true. And also, Liam, if you're watching, on our Bull Prediction show we did, I said Valentina would get dethroned this year. And I said Jamal Hill would be champ this year. So, so far, those have come true. But I also said... The great John Jones would finally lose because I thought he was going to fight in Ghana. So, that's probably not going to come true because god wasn't in the equation for me. Um, let's see what let's see what else we got. uh Rui said, "Did Yan ever face a strong wrestling challenge in the UFC besides Aljo? Probably not. Nah, but he." Aljo twice and Aljo, you know, I mean, come on, bro. Aljo is gotta have up there with you know best grappling in the bantamweight division. Um, my boy SD Crusader said get them electrolytes. That's exactly what I'm doing. Good shit, man. In the arena, you already know, baby. Competing uh May 20th, I am first time at purple belt. Um. Let's see. Let's see. Postman thinks uh, Romanov round one sub and coming. I can see it. I mean, I bet on on that, and that, that's what happened there. Um. Doughboy said, prime John Jones or is prime Jamal Hill? Who you got? Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> that's the fight I want to see, man. Shit. I will say this. I think that, firstly, what weight class? Are we talking 205 or heavyweight? I think that jamal hill has better output than john jones i think jamal hill has better hands than john jones he's also got ridiculous iq it's just um and i mean his get-up game is on point but jones has his way of you know stomping your knees and getting you to fight his game and his ability to study your fight to study your style in and out and know your tendencies man that would just be like i'd be like the best fight of all time. That'd be like such a chess match and such a high IQ fight. That's I wanna see it, bro. I wanna see it. Let's see. Let's see what else we got. Jimmy says he feels like an idiot for betting Bresky plus 115. Well, if you feel confident on Bresky, you can always bet him at his current line too. And you know. Um let's see, let's see. Who's the dude that said it looked like I was going to the... Oh, here it is. I love Baklava. I said, bro, why are you always dressed like you were headed to the club? Hey, look good, feel good, talk good, make love good, everything good. So, is just how I dress. So, yeah, I like looking good, my brother. Well, at least in terms of, like, my what I consider looking good. Other people consider other things, but this is, this is just me. Can't be anybody but me um and Donald not hit like he's coming back from the club you never know you never know A small world said why not nobody talk about martinez chin uh i'm pretty sure i did talk about martinez chin and not only that i mentioned every single time he got dropped um let's see the i says the pleasure man's the best nickname pleasure man pleasure king i fucking love that nickname He's a confident, funny ass guy. You know, he's just a little goofy, but I, but I like him. Um, not in this fight, but just in general. Big Bird said Josh Mayer will be the next ATL guy in the UFC. Now, Josh Mayer is a really nice kid. Um, I respect him. He, you know, he's the kind of guy that'll fight anyone, anytime, any place. But I, I I don't predict him going to the UFC. I predict him more like you know bare knuckle and stuff like that. Um, but he's a nice kid, you know, um, back in the day when I was managing, uh, this kid named Jamar Whitehead, who I no longer work with, we set him up with a Josh Mayer fight, got him a win there. Um, and then Josh Mayer, I got to spar with him a couple years back. So yeah, I like Mayer. He's a really nice kid, but I don't see him going to the UFC. I see him more being like a, you know, bare knuckle or Bellator prelim kind of guy. Um, Ghost Gardner said, "Dogs are the best. Dogs are the best." Holy shit! I don't know if y'all can see this. Hold on. Let me go the other way. Hold on. My boy, my boy, uh, Oscar's out for the count. Y'all see that? Oscar is out. Oscar is more out than uh, who? Who got knocked out last week? <laughs> Oscar is, uh, yeah, using the shadow realm currently. We're going to we're gonna have to bring in the smelling salts. We're going to have to bring in the stretcher for my boy Oscar. Uh, yeah, so this comment, I can't believe you're, you're from Atlanta. I would have guessed New York, New Jersey. Like I said, I'm, I'm first-generation American, so I guess the accent can be kind of hard to decipher. But I can turn on the Southern accent when the time is right. But I never really thought that I had, like, a Northern accent, so that's interesting. Um equanima equanimus. Raphael Rafael has Aljo on his record. Yep. I said that. This is facts. He's got he at one point he had the whole top 15 on his resume, which is the which was the crazy part. Underdog say, the underdog Uzumaki says Yan will destroy Mirab. Yep. Possibly. I could I could see it. Um I love. Baklava. Hey, I love baklava too. Bro. Hey, what you know about that Middle Eastern food, my boy? Yeah, Listen, y- y'all know how to talk about that Persian food. I mean, excuse me. Y'all know how to talk about my love for Brazilian food, but y'all haven't heard me talk about my love for my Persian food. Oh, my fucking God. Some chicken bar, some shish kebab with some Shirazi salad, like some Persian hot tea. Yes, I fucking love my Persian food. Shout out to Rumi's Kitchen, best, best Persian spot in Atlanta, probably in the world, to be honest. Y'all come try it. Um. Let's see. Let's see what else y'all got for me. Um. Anything else? Last call. Oh, my boy Marcus Williams in the house. Solid show. Thank you so much, Marcus. I appreciate you, bro. Always do. Check out the Nubian Bookstore if y'all are ever in ATL. You know, got gotta support the man. Got got big respect for him. Um, Ghost Garner said, didn't Tyson Am get his knee fixed finally before his last fight when he dusted O Sure did, sure did. And now I'm wondering what kind of injury Bruno Bulldog's coming back from. Um Harris is fighting Gooden. Sure is, sure is. Gooden is super durable. Yes, he is, yes he is. Um, It's just his striking defense ain't the best But you can, t- you can take a shot <laughs> You know, you can take a shot Um Let's see My boy Jamal Hill's got his own strain Yeah, Jamal Hill The world is his right now You love to see it Um Pepe said that shirt is fire. Martinez is a great spot. Agreed on both accounts. And you know, I fuck with my boy, Pepe, you know, my cousin Vinny, you know, you, you know what time it is, boy, you know what time it is, my man. Um, Yeah, about Duma. let the young man live. Why the cop trying to cancel him before his career start? Not over, con- not over convictions, but over allegations. Yeah, I agree. Like it was proven false it was proven false you know and i heard he got jumped i don't want to get into it i don't know all the details but i actually heard his interviews and he seems like a nice kid like i think the, the thing of him charging 100 bucks for an interview i felt really bad that i brought that up once i heard him talk about it because the guy that was asking for the interview was like a, as some people would like to refer to as 70 iq was uh yeah yeah anyways he didn't charge anybody else for an interviews so i felt really bad bringing that up Simple man said, I love the shirt. I love you do your own thing. Thank you, man. Just got to, you know, all I can do is be me. That's it. I don't know any other way to be. Dante said, how many years did it take you to get your purple belt? I was pretty good wrestler. I've trained a bit of BJJ. We want to get back into it soon. Dante, man, you got to get back into it, especially with the wrestling background. Like a lot of these things will come naturally to you. Um, So the thing is, what's funny is that I actually used to train no-gi grappling back in high school, but was never in the gi. I always used to have a complex about the gi. I was like, oh, I'm not going to roll around in my pajamas and roo-roo-roo. But once I started, you know, once I put my ego aside and I started training the gi, I just absolutely fell in love with it. And I love gi and I love no-gi. I love them both. I think they both complement each other and they're both just very applicable. But, like, there's just something badass about putting on that uniform, man. And the, so I was – um I was a blue belt for about two years. Um, and then I got my purple belt. Um, but you got to understand, I train very, very consistently. I'm always in the gym. I'm always trying to learn. And now we're at the point where, like, if my professor can't, you know, make it because maybe he's, he has to pick up his kids early or, like, he's out of town, he'll hit me up to, like, teach class for him. So it's just a massive honor. So. Uh, just just work hard and you'll get there and just have a good attitude. Try to help out your teammates and try to be there for them. Just truly be a student of the game, like truly have a a, pa- a passion for it. Dominic says Lebanese food. Hey, I got a great Lebanese spot, but I'm telling you, the Persian food is just on a different level. And, I, and I'm very cultured when it comes to Middle Eastern food, bro. Um, whether we're talking Persian food, whether we're talking Lebanese, whether we're talking Israeli, whether we're talking Palestinian, like, all kinds of Arabic foods, like bro, like some of the best. But I think Persian is top of the top. Star Drifter says California has beautiful Persian women. I think there's beautiful Persian w- women all over the world, my boy. Um, so, all right. Last call for questions. Simple Man says I wouldn't do BJJ. One moron gets too ambitious, pulling on your neck, you could get messed up for life. Yeah, well, that's why you gotta surround yourself with the right people. That's why you gotta be at the right gym. That's why you don't just row with some random dumbass that doesn't know what he's doing you have to like this kind of stuff doesn't happen at my gym knock knock on wood because we like there's a culture and a standard at my gym man like we you know we're a team we look out for each other we're not trying to injure our teammates we're trying to get each other better so that when we go to the to the competitions the tournaments that's where we can style on people but at the gym we leave our egos at the door and uh you know the kind of respect that i have for my professor and and our lineage and just everything it's just i'm all in Um, so yeah it's just such a family vibe our team has and i wouldn't i wouldn't trade it for anything so i just think simple man you just need to just find the right environment for you and if you have if you want to move to atlanta and come to team octopus and train with us You'll be in the right hands man because we look after one another but ghost gardener bet of the week i mean just wait for me to post my bets man i mean they're usually my money management is usually is is usually on point so it's like you know i'll risk like the same amount usually on each bet so it's like not about because because sometimes i'll be like oh this is my most confident bet and it loses and i'll be like this is my least confident bet and it wins so just put your money management on point because at the end of the day you don't know what's going to happen and let the chips uh, fall where they may. Joe I said, Arabs do it better, my brother. Bet that. Um, listen, man, um, MMA Girly said, Arab food. Yeah, I love it, man. Like I said, bro. Um, and I believe in peace in the Middle East. You know, I want to see uh, my brothers in Palestine make peace with my brothers in Israel, man. And I'm not talking about no government bullshit. I'm talking about the people. I stand for the people. I don't back no bullshit governments and Listen, that, I back the people. And, you know, Bilal Muhammad and I have you know, been cool for goddamn since 2015, bro, because it's just about peace here. It's about we're all humans. And uh, when you can put the politics behind you and just accept that we're all human beings and we're all, we all need to look out for each other, you know, it's just a shame what the politics and corruption can do to certain things, man. So... I, uh, I stand for world peace. And if you're a good person, I don't care where you come from. I don't care. I don't care about any of that shit. If you're white, black, Asian, gay, straight, Arab, whatever, Muslim, Jewish. So if you're a good person, you show me respect. I'll show you respect back. And uh, I respect all these cultures and everyone else that I didn't mention as well. It's just, Sucks that politics and corruption have to get involved, and just the division. You know, they divide people. When, yeah, you know, just truly unfortunate. Because I dream of a day where, you know, you know, my last name's Levy. You know, Bilal's last name is Muhammad. I dream of a day where our families can, you know, sit together and and have dinner together. You know, and that's uh something. Yeah, I, I, I just. Pray for world peace. That's it. That's all I got to say regarding that. You know, fuck the politics, man. That's all. So be a good person. Look out for one another. And jujitsu is a perfect place for that because you're going to get people from all walks of life. You're going to get rich people. You're going to get poor people. You're going to get white people. You're going to get black people. You're going to get Jewish people, Christian people, Muslim, gay, straight, whatever. As long as you're a good person, that's all that matters. We look out for each other because at the end of the day, we're all human, so you know be, be better that's it so guys thank you all so much for everything for all your support truly truly appreciate it make sure y'all smash that like button hit the subscribe button leave me a comment after this is over uh feel free to share to retweet all those little things y'all do help the show out and help me out tremendously and it's very appreciated and i'm just grateful uh to be here talking fights with y'all and to share our passion for this sport So thank you all again um i haven't posted any bets yet but when i do y'all know exactly where to look and uh thanks again so until the next time let's cash these bets